When you think about sleepy little Bethlehem, all of a sudden receiving hundreds, maybe thousands of visitors. It wasn't a vacation town. It was just a little village. And then Emperor Augustus says that everyone that came from that town, from their descendant, has to go there to be registered. And I have to think that that innkeeper just had dollar signs in his eyes. Oh my gosh, everybody is going to come. For the first time, we're going to have a full inn. And you imagine, he put his wife and his children and all of their help to work because they were going to get that house ready. But then Mary and Joseph show up, and he tells them there is no room. My good friend Morgan comes from a family where her grandfather and all of her uncles were in the hotel business. And the way she tells the story is that her grandfather had a roadside motel in Mississippi, and he worked his tail off to work his way up to own a Holiday Inn. And when she was a little girl, she remembers her grandfather and his brothers and her uncles. They had inns all over the southeast, and whenever there was a weather crisis, it didn't matter how full it was, you made room. You never turned people away. You put people on lounge chairs. You put them in the kitchen. You always found a space that was warm and dry for people. So why did this innkeeper turn Mary and Joseph away? When I think about making room, it sounds like a lot of work. It's like you're having a whole bunch of new house guests come over. And so what I do in our house is that we just, I just get my boys and we're like, we, we got to move a lot of furniture around. You know, you're going to have to move this room because no, we don't have a guest room. And, and, and you get it all situated and then no offense, but then after you all leave, we have to put it back together. It's a lot of work to make room for people. And so I wonder if it was just going to be too much work for the innkeeper that night. When I think about making room for Jesus in my life, it can feel like it's going to be more on your to-do list. You're going to have to add something more to your life. So Jean and her husband had been married for a while, and they had a four-year-old and a two-year-old, and they had had it on their heart for a long time to foster with the hopes of adopting children. And so they went through the whole rigmarole that you go through to, to become a foster parent, and they inspect everything. They inspect your house, they inspect you, they want to know about your health, everything. And then you have to fill out the forms and tons and tons of paperwork. And so Jean, she, she tells that they had to say what type of child they wanted, boy or girl. Well, she grew up with three sisters, and she had enough of that, so she said, I want a boy. And then you have to say what age you are willing to adopt up to or foster up to. And so she said four years because that was the age of their oldest son, birth to four years. And then she had to, you have to list what ethnicity you would prefer or not prefer. And so they said they were open to all. So they had buckled in thinking this could be a while before they, they'd get someone younger than four. Two weeks later, they'd get a call that there is an African-American newborn waiting for them at the hospital. So they rush over there, and, they, and they, the nurses made her leave the hospital in a wheelchair, even though she hadn't given birth to it, and hold that sweet little baby. And they discovered that caring for a foster child was very much just like caring for your own child, except when you went out of the house. Because when you go out of the house and you have a transracial foster situation going on, 
people are very well-intended and they say, well, where's the baby from? And every time she would say, well, New Jersey, where we're from. But where's the baby from? And, and so finally she just got cynical about it and said, a uterus. <laughs> Other than the transracial issue, it was just this sweet, precious baby. And at two years old, they got to adopt him and she received the paperwork from the agency saying why the baby had not been adopted by another and it said African-American, difficult to please. What? She thought, this is just my sweet, precious newborn child that I've had, growed up to two years. The adoption was finished. Soon thereafter, they got a call from the caseworker and said that the mother of this boy that was now theirs had had another son and could she make room? for a little while. So Jean and her husband made room for this fourth child and it ended up being someone that they would adopt as well. And two years later, they now have four family, four, their family of six with four children. So they were done. She talks about how she was done, especially with babies, to the point where when she would go to a baby shower and people would be ooing and eyeing over the cute clothes, all she saw was laundry. So it's four years in and both of these boys are hers and the caseworker calls and says, the mama has had a girl. Can you make room? Do you have another car seat? And she's literally, we don't have room. There is no place for this baby. We do not have a car seat, but we can borrow one. And so they go and they pick up this third girl. And so now they are five children. And she tells the story how on the second year of this baby girl being there, her oldest adopted child is five, and she and her, him are brushing their teeth in the mirror, looking at each other, and he stops, and casually, as if he had said, can you pass me the toothpaste? He says, Mama, I wish I had been adopted by a brown family. And she says that she tried to really stay composed and not act like she had just been kicked in the gut, and she says, did someone say something? No, he shakes his head. Well, but you do have brown family. Your younger brother and sister are brown like you. Yeah, but not the whole family. And so they all go to bed with all those emotions as much as they can. And the next day, the, the mom remembers that in through the whole process of, of court cases and hearings and caseworkers, she remembers hearing about a great grandma of these boys and girl. And so she reaches out to the caseworker and says, is there any way that you could connect us? And the caseworker says, absolutely not. This is a closed adoption. We absolutely cannot do that. So Jean does a little research. It turns out that they, they cannot connect the two of them, but she can write a letter and she can send it to the agency and they can send it to the great grandma. But they didn't know. Is it going to go through? Well, the great grandma calls them weeks later and says, oh, you do not realize how much I have been praying for those three children. I didn't know where they went. I didn't know if they were together. I didn't know where they were or if they were safe. And they're in this amazing, comforting environment. Can I meet them? And Jean says, well, of course. And before they know it, the, this family that they thought was now just the, the sixth of them had aunties and uncles and cousins and grandmas and even though Jean and her two biologic children and her husband were white, 
they were fully accepted because relationship and family is so much more than blood. All this time, Jean thought she was just making room for more babies. She said, you know, I always thought that when you adopted a child, the child got a new family. Oh, but I was so wrong because our whole family got a new family. She made room. They made room that they didn't really have. And all it did was open up for more in their life, more understanding of what love can look like between people with different colors of skin, more of what it can look like when you, to rely on the community to provide when you don't quite have enough resources even for another baby. Friends, this is what it's like when we make room for Jesus. It's not gonna be something that weighs us down. It's not something that adds another box on our to-do list. It's not laborious, like rearranging the furniture in your house. When we make room for Jesus, we're actually opened up for more, more joy, more forgiveness, more mercy, more acceptance, more love. And this is the thing. Remember that, that innkeeper said, we have no room, but that baby made room. That baby Jesus still found a way to be born. And that, so it's just the tiniest window of our hearts, friends. In the tiniest windows of our hearts, Jesus can make room. May it be so in my life and in yours. Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, help us to make room in our hearts for you. And may it set us free. May it open us up to so much more. So much more that when things are tough and things are not well, God, that you make them well. Amen.